Um, anyway, so you have a choice. You can come into that tent and be surrounded by people with your head down, looking down the ground, feeling sorry for yourself. Or like we've always talked, you know, and it's we, it's who I surround myself with, people like you, you know, people like my wife, people like my, my family um, and friends. Um, you have to have come into it with, with a positive attitude. And why not the hell have some fun while you're at it? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the One More Jump podcast. Uh, this is our third episode, and we have with us today a first-class savage with us. He is a five-time Ironman distance finisher. He's Ironman five times, uh, five-time 100-mile finisher, 100-mile ultramarathon finisher, He's finished six other ultra marathons that are below the hundred mile distance. He's lost count of how many marathons he's done. <laughs> <laughs> he's the head cross country and track coach at Plainfield South High School. He's a PE teacher. He's a family man. Uh, he's one of the greatest examples uh, that I can think of, of a person who demands the most out of himself and uh it's one of the most influential people in my life um you run into people sometimes who are you know outside of your family that have a huge impact on your life and um this man is one of those people for me possibly maybe one of the only people for me that has had an impact as much as his has been on my life um i am talking about jason crow aka the bird man AKA your worst nightmare. <laughs> bill, bill, coach, bill. <laughs> coach Crow, what's going on, man? AKA Coach Crow, you know? So uh, what's going on? How are we doing? Uh, we're doing fantastic. Just enjoying another beautiful day here. Hey, yeah. no, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, Jake. Thanks for having me on, Josh. Uh, it's an honor. It's, it's truly an honor. And, and I love just seeing you guys grow and, and do more fantastic things that you have passions for. So thank you. Well, we appreciate it. And it's uh, obviously it's an honor to have you. But before we uh, go any further, I got to I feel like I'm not dressed for the occasion. So I got to get something on here. So I oh, feel a little bit better. I was going to say, hey, baby, here we go. <laughs> there I got mine is. on. the. I got mine on. The Hold way. Up. I got to turn Oops, around and mine up. Oh, man. Wow. Plainfield South Letterman's jacket. The heck of a jacket. If you're not listen, or if you're not watching on YouTube, we got the Letterman jacket out. Uh, Coach Crow was he came into Plainfield South my senior year in high school. Okay, so take that and think about that for a second. One track season, this man had in my life and in in my friends lives um one track season that's how much of an impact he had and uh now i mean he's he's coached us from you know in track but then 
he's been a coach of us in life too, from, from that point on. Um, and we just wanted to, I wanted to start off with a little something because I, I introduced you as a first class savage. What are your thoughts on, on that statement? I don't know who you're talking about personally, but I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. I, I, I refer to myself as a savage, but I, I do enjoy a few of those uh, activities that we uh, indulge on as far endurance races that I, I do love. So I guess that's where the savage comes from. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, let's get a little background on that then. Okay. So paint the picture. I'm in a tent at the Indiana Trail 100 miler. Okay. I'm in a tent. I'm with your wife your two kids and we're watching a radar and the radar starts off with being a little bit red and then then it turns to a lot red and then it turns to a dark red and then it turns to a purple <laughs> and a purple if you look at the little thing on the on the side of the radar is bad news it's bad news so you're about 70 miles into the race at that time i'm pretty sure it was 70 miles because that's whenever i was going to jump in with you and help you yeah. out um and we were looking at each other like is this the last that we're going to see of the bird is this it is this <laughs> is this all she wrote i mean lightning is cracking lighting the sky up the thunder was so loud and then all of a sudden, you bust into that tent like you had just gotten back from Disneyland. <laughs> I was like, who? And everyone kind of looked at each other like, who the heck is this guy? He, it's, you know, at 70 miles in a race. So where, where does that come from? Where do you think that, like... I think just you're you're so excited about putting yourself in these situations. You get so pumped up by it. So where where that where does that come from? Do you think? I I, I don't know. I think you know. I, I will say this. You know what? The the moment I do remember the moment that you're talking about, and it was it was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> let me backtrack a little bit since we got time. You you have a choice to come into a situation like that where it seemed like the sky was falling. Honestly, this storm was brutal. Um, they've talked about how they should have canceled the race and any other races would have been canceled, but they kept it going uh, simply probably because they don't know where the hell everybody's at out there. Um, anyway, so you have a choice. You can come into that tent and be surrounded by people with your head down, looking down the ground, feeling sorry for yourself. Or like we've always talked, you know, and it's we, it's who I surround myself with, people like you, you know, people like my wife, people like my, my family um, and friends. Um, you have to have come into it with a positive attitude. And why not the hell have some fun while you're at it? So that was just really adrenaline right there coming in, seeing you. And I was waiting to get into the race and have you with me uh, and pace me through the last part of it. It's also excitement seeing my children because what time of the night was it? Oh, um, it was night, one, I mean, two in the morning. I don't yeah, know. I don't probably two, probably two in the yeah, a.m. Yeah, and my my little children are there with my wife, which <laughs> is like, and the support unit that I have with me. 
and you know they're just they're I'll talk about them later, but they're just fantastic. Um, but no, it's just it's just a matter of having fun, you know, making something that's a negative into something positive, and it's your choice. Right. So so like, if you've ran if you've ran any kind of race, obviously, I guess you know when you see a finish line, or more more important, like if you're in an ultra marathon, more importantly, if you see that aid station, it's like yeah. you get a surge of adrenaline and you're like, Oh my gosh, thank you, Lord. Okay. We're here. So you get that surge of adrenaline. Okay. You yeah. see the lights, you hear the music, you know, there's food, you know, there's chicken soup, you know, you see your family's there, your, your friends yeah. are there, but six miles before that, none of that's there. Okay. That's none that's of the part there. I struggle with. The six right. miles out. Where you're like, <laughs> yeah. where you're right. like it's it the, the grass is greener on the other side. It's 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 in sight, you know, one way yeah. or another, but holy cow, that's the that's a long six miles. That's why I haven't ventured into ultras ultimately. So where's your head at when the I mean in an in, in that point in the race, you're you're about an hour at least away from the aid station and you're in the middle of the woods and you know that you're in a really sticky situation. So I guess my question is it's, it's easy to be, you know, for that adrenaline, like you said, it was like an adrenaline rush at mm -hmm. the aid station. Right. How do you propel yourself through the time where you're not at the aid station, where you're by yourself and you're in that sticky situation? Well, that's, that's truly, you know, and you and I, once again, we've talked about it because we've shared this, these, these times, these, these races. Um, it's truly the best part of it because there's highs that you experience where everybody's, you know, hooping, hollering. Uh, and then there's the lows. And the lows, the lows I love. Um, I know that sounds weird and everything, but, but I enjoy the, the challenge of that and the, the mental aspect of it is that even though it's only six miles, it may be an hour, maybe even longer if you're moving slow, like we were through that day through the mud because it was just mud. Oof, yeah. uh, the course was the course was pretty uh, crazy, um, but but that's where you just got to put life into perspective, and that just gives you time with yourself. and And I truly enjoy. Now I'm not saying I want to do it every day, <laughs> but right. I truly enjoy um, having that moment where you're up against failure, where you're up against you know, completely, you know, being unsuccessful. Right. You, you have, uh, talked about and, that time. Yeah. Many, those types of times all, you know, many times with me and you have a specific name for it. What do you call that place? Oh man. You've used it with me a few times. <laughs> you've used it as you've referred to it as the dark place. Yeah, the dark side. Yeah, the dark place. Yeah, you just got to go there. You got to go there because your life's not incomplete, in my opinion, until you experience that and, and truly go there. You know, right. so. For sure. So what are some things like, what do you, what do you, what are some takeaways that, what do you learn in that space whenever you're, you've pushed your body to that limit? What do you learn? Like, what, what are some things that you've taken away from, from spots and times like that? Um, who you are, you know, and it's not for everybody. And, and what we experienced there in that moment during a race, maybe somebody else's 
challenge in a textbook, maybe somebody else's challenge in their profession and their job and maybe a moment in their own personal life. But for us in that moment, it, it's really to find out who you are and if you're a quitter, you know, and, and for me, I love to challenge myself physically, intellectually, you know, I'm not a genius. I'm not, I'm not smart like my wife because she yeah. is smart. Um, but for me, I find my personal challenges um, within a physical ability. And what it comes down to is that you just sometimes in a race like that, especially in the mud, you're going slow and you got to forget about the time, except for the cutoff we got to hit. Right. Um, you, you just look down at your foot and your feet and you say, just go one more step and then another and then another and another. And you just keep taking one more step in a forward direction. And that's a, that's a metaphor that we apply to life. Yeah, for sure. You, you definitely, I mean, that, that one more step and, and, and taking that and living in that moment, you, you really explained it well to me one time we were doing a, a, a longer run for me, which was at the time it was like a 10 mile run, which, you know, for me was really long at the time it's being a ex pole vaulter, you know, it was, that was a big, big step for me. And I asked you kind of similar questions while we were running, like, why do you do this and things like that. And you had mentioned that, time slows down when you're in a spot like that. And that really kind of hit home with me because you said, you know, I'm starting to get older and I feel like my life is, is flying past me right now. Like I feel like it's flying past me. And, and then you had mentioned that, but whenever you're so tired and you've been up for 24 hours and you've your feet are swollen and your knees are swollen and and you're hungry and you're malnourished and you're dehydrated and you feel like death time slows down a whole lot in those moments and it feels like it almost stops it almost feels like you have the ability to stop time because you you're you're in so much you know you're you're suffering so much and um I found that to be kind of fascinating that, that view on that. So is that something that you think about when you're on these long runs? Yeah, definitely. Um, like I said, cause life is, I mean, I just turned 47 a couple weeks ago and I still feel like I'm 20, you know, I still yeah. feel like I just graduated from high school a few years ago, just like you, you know, even though it's not just like you, it's not <laughs> just like me now. Yeah. <laughs> even Josh, even Josh, Hi, Josh. I mean, how many years out of school are you, Josh? Um, 10, uh, 11, 29, yeah, 11 years out of high school. Yeah, You're 29. 29? Hey, <laughs> what yes. the heck? You're going to turn 30 this year. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I need to run an ultra. <laughs> Speaking of running Slow ultras, <laughs> we all three signed up for one in October, yes. uh, that Indiana trail 100, Josh, you, yeah. I've done a couple I've done, I've done, uh, two, yeah. two and then I've paced crow for like 30 plus miles on on two <laughs> two different occasions yeah. Yeah. two different occasions so I'm counting those as ultras too yeah. um what are you so you kind of similar to me I went and I I got into it and I I called crow and I said hey you know what do I you know should I just get in a um 50k 
and and crow was like oh my gosh come on 50k is what is that like 20 31 miles or something yeah 31 miles and he was like come on man yeah yeah you might as well just do a marathon he was like you're gonna do it when you do a marathon you do a 50k you do an ultra for sure you go to from the car yep right (laughs) it's true it's true i remember i i ran the twin cities um marathon a couple years ago and the the waiting around the walking around we walked around minneapolis beforehand and you know we're walking from minneapolis to st paul and this and and i'm like we covered 35 40 miles today that was like but you don't factor that in but we ran the whole marathon distance that probably would have equated for a decent ultra time you know what i mean so josh has josh has felt an immense amount of pain before He's pushed his body very, very hard, but in different ways, in different ways. And, and so I guess, you know, he's going to be entering into the dark place on the hundred as am I for my first time doing a hundred. What is the difference between a marathon and like what I've done and that hundred mile distance? more time and distance <laughs> <laughs> all right moving on <laughs> seriously. hey no, no seriously I, I, I got something good to say hold on hold on hold on, hold on. no here, here's the thing because i i've watched you guys like i said since i met you guys back in in oh five oh six right and then i saw josh and then luke and you guys have all gone there that's the thing it's and it really is it's just more time in distance, you know, let's, let's keep it simple here because what you guys have done. All right. And I'm going to, I got to say, like I said, just, I'm not even in your category, both of you. Okay. Oh my with God. what you guys have done, that's stop, stop with what you guys have done with pole vaulting <laughs> with your family and stuff is just unreal. And you know that there's a moment and it's just maybe a few seconds, maybe a few minutes in a pole vault competition, you know, maybe it goes on. Cause I've seen those things last a couple hours sometimes but maybe there's those few moments in the competition where you step there. And I know you've stepped to it in your training because I know you guys are yeah. just, you talk about savages, your family just, when you, you guys are the pole vaulting savages, you guys are just relentless when it comes to what you do to be the best, you yeah. know? So Thank you. it's, well, it's I, really just extending that in time and distance. And, and that's what you're going to enjoy about it. You truly will. I think, I think that one thing I wanted to expand on with that is like, we have, I have gone to that place, but it's a totally different place. It's a, it's, it's an anaerobic kind of, um, you know, fight or flight type of, of place rather than a, an endurance aerobic, deep, dark depths of your soul type of place. And, and (laughs) I mean, if you're, if you're, um, if you're in a competition, a pole vault competition, and you know, you have to make, you know, a jump on your third attempt with the crosswind gripping at the end of your biggest pole in your bag, you're, you're in a really unsafe environment. And I feel like you do have to get to a place where the risk is so high for, for your safety and for coming out on top in the competition that there is a version of that that you tap into where it's like 
I have to be so focused in the zone and committed to this. Whereas your commitment might be one foot in front of the other. Our commitment is like, if I go halfway on this jump, I get seriously hurt, like seriously hurt, broken bones, really, really bad. Whereas if you're, you know, 70 miles into an ultra, um, it is from what I understand and what I've heard it is, it is a one foot in front of the other type of feeling. So it's, it's going to be interesting to be on the, the complete opposite side of the spectrum, but get to experience such a, a deep, I guess, you know, dark time as, as coach Crow calls it. <laughs> dark place. <laughs> the dark yeah, place. I think, I think that's totally, I mean, I think Josh is right. You, it's, it's just a different type of like, like my experience in an ultra is, is like you, you get up to a certain pain level and then it just stops getting more painful. And then you just have to deal with the pain level that you're at and you, and the problem, the, the hard part about it for me with my ultras was that it, it's you you get to that really high pain level where it's like wow this really hurts and i'm really tired and i still have about 10 more hours mm-hmm. you know and that's where it's it 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 can kind of grab your soul and kind of take your soul from you where if you if you think along the lines of okay you know i'm on the starting line all right we'll see you guys in 28 hours 24 hours, whatever. It's like, hold on, what? I'm really going to be moving for that long. So that brings me to another point that Josh and I were talking about. So, but with the hundred miles, so obviously it's, it's longer distance for sure. It's a longer time for sure. But there are some logistical things that you have to come up against. What are some logistical things that are different from, let's say a marathon to an ultra marathon? Well, you, you got to include nutrition, you know, because you need your fuel. That's something I talk about with the athletes I coach, and I, they talk about their daily nutrition. You have to you have to make sure you're fueling your body the entire time. Otherwise, it will shut down. You know, some people can go out and run a marathon with just a little bit of water, you know, with a good breakfast, and they can just push through it, you know. Nowadays, they have electrolyte drinks and all the different nutrition drinks that they take along the way. But even there's some great runners out there that hardly take anything during a marathon. Whereas yeah. you need to perfect your nutrition. I shouldn't say perfect, but you need to go through trial and error. And it's still up in the air about how it's going to react to you, you know, as far as taking in your fuel. Um, also, you got to take an accountability of your feet. Um, your feet can get pretty mangled. Um, as we know, through all the aches and pains and the hardships of, of doing one of those, it could be difficult if your feet end up blistering and your skin's peeling away and you start bleeding, you know, on your feet. Mm-hmm. So you got to take care of your feet. So you got to have the right kind of socks. You got to have the right kind of anti-shafe. You know, I'll throw a plug out there for squirt nut butter is amazing. Um, <laughs> hey, no, sir, I got that on my kitchen, <laughs> is that a my joke? kitchen sink, yeah. my bathroom sink right yeah. now. It's, I mean, it's a it necessity for anything 10 miles yeah. or over for me. Yeah. You know, and chafing, chafing, if you were talking about blisters, that stuff's brutal too. So all that stuff, you know, can come into play. So you got to plan out to make sure that if you do get wet with your feet, because you know, we cross streams and creeks, you know, your feet will get wet. You got to make sure you're to the next aid station, you're drying off, you're changing your socks, possibly even changing your shoes, 
you know, you gotta, you gotta treat your feet. Like they're really, really important during a race like that. For sure. There is one thing that I feel like is being left out and that is the, the big monkey in the room on the hundred miler, which is sleep. And yeah. like, you've always told me you're, you've done a couple ultras, but you've never gone through the night. And I feel like even just crewing for you, even on the ones that I've crewed for you, I can't, I, it's hard for me to stay awake, you know, like, and I'm not even out there, you know, participating, you know? So what do you, is that something you can train for? Or is that just kind of nut up or shut up type of thing? Yeah. I think you just, just do it. I mean, you could train for it, you know, but I've pulled on all nighters and you've pulled all nighters and, it's just about getting out there and once again, you know, staying awake. Um, the caffeine does help. You know, you don't want to get yeah. crazy with caffeine. Um, I love coffee, you know, so so a cup of coffee during the night is fantastic. Um, you took like, you've taken like five hour energies, it helps a little bit. You know, once again, you don't want to overdo with that stuff. Uh, right. Maybe a Red Bull, I'm not saying a whole can of Red Bull, but you see a lot of endurance athletes uh, taking a little bit of Red Bull, just like I said, just a little bit. You know, I don't know, because I've seen you take down a pretty uh, sizable amount of caffeine <laughs> during these events. Are, are you doing it at the beginning, though? Because I've heard mixed responses where, you know, Brad, for instance, the guy who's going to help me yeah. at the Indiana Trail, yeah. he's like, we're not going to be taking caffeine till later on. Right. Okay. Yeah, I won't. I'll have my cup of coffee in the morning before the race starts, just because I love coffee and I'll have a little bit. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I wait till later. Okay. Got it. So you're not pounding, you know, energy, energy drinks every six miles or eight miles during the, uh, during the race. No, no need to You want to keep your heart rate down. So what, what kind of preparation, I mean, I guess to, to Jake and I, cause I think that this, this episode for sure is going to have a theme of well, me and Jake getting something out of this in terms of preparation for that race. What, what are some big bullet points we should we should be prepared about, like you mentioned shoes and socks. Like, you know, I am going to be relying on my buddy Brad to help me out with a lot of that, but like how many pairs of shoes, how many pairs of socks, what are some big kind of things we should, we should be watching out for? I don't think you could bring enough. Um, all depending on the weather and the day and the situation, you know, now the Indiana trail course, um, obviously is not like anything out West yeah. or even out in the mountains. So we're pretty lucky there. Um, but we can see a lot of mud on the trails. So in the past, I've gone to a race like that, and I have seven different pairs of shoes, you know. And I'm not saying they're all brand new. They're just older shoes that if I have to go to, I can use yeah. them. Um, I'll have socks, probably up to about 10 pairs of socks um, with powder already in them. I use, um, I think it's two times, right? This is a good note. Two times makes a really good blister shield powder. Yeah, yeah, that is good. Yeah, Jake's I've used that before too. Yeah, yeah. So I'll use that. I'll put that in all my socks, you know, ahead of time. So I don't have to worry about that at an aid station. Interesting. Um, once again, my crew, you know, which is obviously friends like you guys. And then it's always Jane, my wife and, and the kids. They're always there and they're fantastic. Uh, they got, like I said, Vincent. They, their support is just awesome. But they, they have all that stuff ready for me. They have a dry pair of shoes ready for me. They'll have the socks with already the, the blister shield powder in the socks. I even put a little bit of powder in the shoe and stuff. Like I said, it just does a great job against yeah. moisture. 
for sure well one one thing my my wife she's a podiatric surgeon and she she blisters up bad on her feet i blister up pretty bad on my feet but she Mm -hmm. she uses this i gotta ask her i'll maybe um you know throw it in the notes on this or something on this episode it's a it's like a an ointment it's it's kind of like a anti-chafing um you know, but it's not in a bar form. It's, it's an actual skincare product. And I've been getting some bad blisters on my big toes on both sides. And I put that on the other day and it felt like I was, had, was batting or rocking a hundred percent fresh feet. Like it was amazing. I had never experienced anything like it before. And she's like, yeah, I swear by this stuff. I got to find the name of that. But I was wondering, like, have you ever tried anything like that versus the powder? I've personally never even heard of using powder okay yeah the powder i just put in shoes um like i said well uh but the closest thing i've done to that i mean i back in the day i used to use uh the body glide and then like i said squirrel nut butter now you know you can get it in a little tube where you could pull it out with your finger and put it on apply it or you could like the um like the deodorant stick of it you know that's i've applied that but no whatever works works you know that's the thing if you found something that works good for you go with it. I'll go ahead and uh, chime in on my thing because both of you guys uh, wear narrow-toed shoes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I switched to a wide toe box shoe. um, When was that, Crow? Two or three years ago? Yeah. Yeah. And I, my first ultra, um, I ran in a narrow-toed shoe. It was like a Hoka this is whatever Hoka trail runner was out at the time. First ultra was in that toes destroyed, lost like four toenails. Um, just huge, gigantic quarter size blisters all over my feet. Mm. Um, it was really, really wet. Remember that, that race was really wet. It rained for half the day. Um, but I switched to um, an ultra shoe and then I switched to a um, topo shoe now, topo athletic. And it's a, got a foot shaped toe box. So then your toes can splay out and they're not crammed, you know, into that, into that little space. And obviously the more crammed together you are, the more friction you're going to create, you know, with your toes rubbing together and then um, your toes rubbing against your shoe last ultra that we did you know we had to go through creeks and i mean we were soaking wet the whole time uh not one foot issue you know and then i also wear toe socks toe socks are clutch too toe I, socks are very I run clutch in the toe, I, think. I run in the topo terra venture twos for anything on the trail off the road so and cool. i i know that feeling it's um running those as often as i can and i actually like those shoes a lot but i bought a couple topo road shoes could not stand them. Um, I, for whatever reason, I think it's because they have, they don't have the big hard plastic or rubber plate on the bottom. And I was just so used to that support. And then I switched to, um, ons O N. Um, it's for, for road running, rich rolls big on the, the ons and Johnny crane. Who's a, you know, ex, uh, or a North central alum is, is sponsored by them. And, absolutely love them for road running but it's weird because you go from narrow road running shoes to to trail 
you know, splayed out toe shoes. Or you guys could just switch to sandals like I run in in the summertime. Uh, <laughs> no. Girl's like, no, that's not happening. All right, let's, <laughs> let's switch gears here because I feel like uh, we could talk this technical stuff, uh, you know, to death. But um, one thing that I mentioned in the beginning is you are a track and field coach uh, at Plainfield South High School. You, you're head track and field boys coach and head cross country boys coach. Um, and you have always set, you know, you're a person who walks their talk, you know, and, and it's, it's really obvious and it's, and it's cool. Anybody who has had you, you know, has been under your tutelage knows that that is who you get. You get somebody who talks the talk, but also walks the walk with everything. And um, I thought that I would kind of share a story from uh, whenever we were in high school to kind of explain what I mean by Crow, you know, walking his walk. Um, he, we had, we were at the, my senior year, we were at the conference championship. Do you remember this? Yes, sir. We were at the conference championship and we were going against Josh's school because we both <laughs> went to different high schools. Um, yeah. The boundaries changed or whatnot. Um, and we were down, it was down to the four by four between us and the other school, Josh's school. And whoever won, whoever, you know, if, if they won the four by four, then they won the conference championship. And if we won, then we won the conference championship. And so they're going around and they're running and it was a fun atmosphere to be in. And one person from, if I am remembering it correctly, correct me if I'm wrong. One person from Josh's team stepped out in front of the track and kind of disrupted one of our runners in the four by four. Is that right? Uh, it was, if I remember correctly, it was, it was, a, a, it was a runner from another team that wasn't even you or wasn't either playing oh, field school. Okay. All right, cool. So it was a Actually, runner I, from I, an, another team that yeah, stepped I, out in front. Yes. From what I remember, it was like a brother or a, it was like a brother of one of the, it was like a manager type role for another team or something. I don't even think okay. he was participating in the track meet and shouldn't have even been on the track at all. If I remember right. 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 So, and, so and it was completely after our team. And can we say the school? Can we say oh, yeah. Josh? Yeah, oh, okay. I don't know. Anyway, so it was Plainfield Central already finished. And then we came in second right behind them. So the interference had nothing to do with the outcome of the race or the meet. Right. So then, celebration. Right, right. So then what happened though is, you know, we were like, oh man, we won. There was a there was a technicality. They got disqualified, I think. They got disqualified. And then we're like, we just won the conference championship, and that was our goal. It was my senior year. We were pumped up about it. And then you brought over that trophy, and we were all cheering, 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 and you just yelled no. And I was like, oh, no, what do you mean, no? <laughs> what does no mean? <laughs> and, and he was like, Plainfield South does not win off of technicalities. And I was like, oh, man. That was whenever <laughs> I realized that you were the real deal. I realized that you did not 
you you were part of a di- you were in a different universe from other people that I had met and who had coached me before, you know. And I was like, okay, so you legitimately just won the conference championship. If you're going by technical rules, you won the conference championship your first year coaching. And then you said Plainfield South does not win on technicalities. And you took that trophy, you gave it to the captains, and you made us walk it back over to Central and say, that's it. We don't want it. We don't want and it. Central, We're not going to win yeah. like that. <laughs> hey, we did well, it. They, and they earned it. And they earned it. Yeah, right. They earned right. it. You beat us fair and square. They beat so, us They beat us fair and square. So what were you thinking in that, in that moment? Like, why, well, how did you come to that decision? Well, you don't want things handed to you. And I, I just didn't, I felt like it was tarnished, you know, even though we had a coaches meeting and they gave it to us and everything. And you, you don't want to, you don't want to, that, that's, it's just a piece of metal. It's just a piece of uh, wood, you know, right. it's, it's, you're, you, you know, at the end of the day, and you guys would have realized this later and, and you do realize that it's that there's no meaning to that. If anything, you stole it from those other kids. And I'm not saying we stole it. Um, literally stole it, but it, it's just, you have to earn it. You have to earn it. Otherwise it doesn't mean anything. And you yeah, sure some official can give us the championship on the technicality on something that had nothing to do with the end result of that race. But at the end of the day, it comes down, did you earn it? You know, and that's when it truly means something if you earn it. So what that became there, I just, I just felt it in my conscience and, and you guys, you guys did too was that it wasn't ours you know it yeah. wasn't ours and i hate losing i hate oh it. i know i'll i'll tell that to anybody i don't hate people i don't hate religions i don't hate cultures i you know i believe in love and and being fair and respectful to all but there's one thing in life that i absolutely hate is losing i just and and i don't <laughs> I don't know. But, <laughs> I don't hate people. But, I don't hate religion. <laughs> no, no, I think you respect and love everything true on this earth. I like you know, that perspective. But when it comes to, to winning and losing, as long as you do it the right way, you know, and earn it, you know, you win. You know, so who is what what where is that developed? Where is that developed? That's developed somewhere you know, in your childhood yeah. or maybe there's a person in your life yeah. that helped you develop that. Where's that from? My dad. Your dad? 100%, man. Well, I think this is a good story to kind of go into. Um, at the Indiana Trail, the year before, you know, we had that crazy lightning storm and everything, the year before, um, you didn't have a race that was, you know, your best race in your life. So you want to, do you want to go into that story at all? Or Yeah, that's cool. No, that's, that's who we are, you know, so, so you want me to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, go ahead and tell okay. us about it. Yeah, so, so the year before at Indiana Trail, um, we talk about failures in life and, and losing. And uh, <clears throat> was uh, we're at the Indiana Trail, and uh, and yeah, it was it was uh, it's my one DNF in a in a hundred miler. Actually, might be my one DNF in any race period. And a um, DNF is a, a did not finish. Did finish right. 
so anyway, so, you know, it's, it's just tough extremes, you know, of, of a hundred miler, you know, it was raining, it was cold. I don't think it was raining. I take that back. It was raining earlier in the day, but it was cold, you know, and I'm right around mile 62, um, 62 miles in and, um, and my, my left Achilles is really hurting, you know? So, and you have those, you have those dark moments of a race where you do want to quit. You do have those moments, even in, in a marathon too, and even a 5K, there's times you're like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. What is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? I could be home on a couch right now, relaxing and, and you know, and, and just chilling out. And, and why am I doing this? And then you hear that talk too much through your mind and you start believing it. And that's where you've got to shut it off. But that day I didn't shut it off. Um, that day I failed. You know, I came to mile 62 and I was going through a lot of pain and, and I, I broke down and I just said, I'm done. I'm done. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to drop out of the race. And I know Jane was surprised and, and uh, the other people that were around me were surprised, but I just, I quit. And, and here's, here's the thing. This is what Jake and I were talking about was, um, so I, I go and I drop out of the race and I have my, my crying moment because I'm an emotional person. You know, so, you know, I feel sorry for myself and blah, blah, blah. And uh, which isn't good. You know, you're not supposed to feel sorry for yourself. But um, so I get on the phone because my parents uh, growing up around all my races, you know, and uh, I did my and my dad always had a special bond with me with with racing. You know, don't get me wrong. I was never that good. I really think I'm fast. I'm not. Um, but I did my first marathon when I was 14 years old and uh, out in Columbus, Ohio. And I just backstep real quick. My dad was there with the last mile of that marathon with me. They were shutting down the race. It was in Columbus, Ohio. I'm backtracking here, but you got to hear the story. Uh, so there's about a mile left in the race. I'm walking, you know, I'm 14 years old. They're shutting down the race. They're taking down all the banners and everything and roads are opening up and I'm on the sidewalk and even the bus tried to pick me up, you know, say, you know, pick up, you know, the last runners and everything. I refuse to get on it. And then then my dad, make a long story short, my dad was there for the last mile to make sure I I got to to the finish line. Anyway, sorry. Anyway, so that was when I was 14. So then, all right, back to the Indiana Trail Race, okay? Back to present time, the Indiana Trail Race. Um, I dropped out of the race in mile 62. I go to call my mom. I go to call my mom because uh, her and my, my dad uh, were, you know, back at home because they're, they're 80 years old now. Uh, my mom is over 80. My dad was almost 80. Um, back at home and I said, Hey, you know what, mom, I, I dropped out of the race, but I'm, I'm okay. And this and that, and she, you know, she goes, okay, well, I just want to let you know, I didn't want to bother you before the race started, but your father had a stroke and he's in the hospital and he's in intensive care. And, uh, right then and there, I realized that just because I was experiencing some discomfort, just because I was uh, tired, just because I experienced some physical pain that I actually freaking had the nerve to quit. And that, that was hard. 
that that man was sitting in a hospital bed fighting for his life after a stroke. And here I am out running on a bunch of trails, having a good time. And, uh, and I quit because of the discomfort and a little bit of pain. Never again. So, so that's, that's what you wanted to hear. You know, and that's what, uh, you know, those moments in life, you, you learn a lot about yourself. And so that's why I took the bib number from that race and I wrote DNF on it and I put it next to my bed. And I know it's something that, you know, it's kind of silly and everything, but I looked at it every day. And then the next year we went back, Jake. And we finished. We finished. I remember coming in. I mean, you had gone through so much during that race that that you're talking about the following year that you finished the the mud was six inches deep i remember you sliding and, and slamming slamming your tracking poles into the ground just so mad and just frustrated and i was like man come on we got like five miles left come on come on you got this you know you know you're almost there and we we start going and and then we we came over the top of this hill and and you could start to hear the music and you could start to hear the crowd. And I was, I remember going and finally seeing that finish line and you were, you were like, let's go, man, let's go finish. And I said, you need to cross that line with your dad. And you handed me your stuff and, just went and just kind of finished that thing that you had started um with your dad and that was a really cool moment in my life that was cool to watch man and and you know if if you would have never finished if you would have finished that first year you would have never had that moment and you would have never shared that moment with somebody else like me and somebody yeah. and like your wife and, and your kids, your kids got to see that your kids got, they got to see their dad fall down. They have to, if their kids don't see their dad fall down and get back up, then what the heck are you even there for? You have to set that example and you set that example. So you say before, you know, uh, before we started the podcast, you were like, I was like, uh, how many uh, hundred milers have you finished? And you said five. And then I was like, and then that there was the other one. And you were like, yeah, that failure. It's not a failure. It really isn't. And, and I know that is kind of cliche and like, oh, you're just trying to see the glass half full. No, I'm not. It's not a failure. It's just, that's what it is, man. It's not a failure. You inspired so many people that day with that kind of culmination of looking at that DNF written on your bib and grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding when you didn't want to, when it's ice cold outside, when it's raining outside. And then that culmination on that day of you finishing affected so many more people than you know so there's no way that that's a failure. Absolutely no way that that's a failure. 
And uh, that was a cool story. And I appreciate you sharing that because I know that that's, you know, part of your personal life and, and, you know, your, your dad passing was a hard time uh, for you. And we've talked about it on runs and things like that. And I just, I appreciate you being vulnerable like that. That was uh that was really, really something special. I'm going to jump to a, a more, a more happy, happy thing now. <laughs> okay, that's like, that's, yeah. that's, you know, what are your real, thoughts real quick, on that? Yeah. I mean, real, real quick though. Um, like I said, just, just to put a lighter moment, my, my, my father, you know, had 80 great years, you know, so yeah. we celebrate his life, you know, we celebrate his life and then, you know, and then, you know, that's, that's all about PMA, positive mental attitude. You know, so I, I wanted to I wanted to pick at one thing really quick, and it might be a quick answer, it might be a long answer, yeah. but you know, Jake had mentioned, um, you know, that it's not a failure, um, regardless whether you see it as a as a failure or not. Like one thing I've noticed about you and about um, a lot of people who are able to experience these these ultras and this high level of athleticism and even high level, um, you know, I'm in sales, right? This high, this high level sales environment. Like we have this phrase called, you know, win fast, lose fast. And that lose fast and, and overcoming that, that failure is so, so important to have success. And I feel like, you know, it probably didn't take you, I would assume very long to realize like, okay, in my eyes, that may have been a failure. I didn't do it, but guess what? Like I'm over it and I have to start moving forward. And I think that that's a common theme with a lot of high level athletics where it's like, didn't perform well. Am I going to sit here and think about it for weeks or months or years? You know, Olympics is delayed. Should I dwell on that for, for four months or should I just like get going again? You know what I mean? What, what do you got to say about that? Yeah, you have to get going, you know, and um, because, you know, how are you, how are you going to live your life? You know, you're going to experience those. But but even right now, just with, with what's going on with the world right now, with com- competition being suspended and everything and the athletes I'm coaching, the key thing I've been reiterating to a lot of them is that we're lucky because you could just get out and you could go run. You can go out and test yourself and race a mile wherever you're at, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. you can mope around and sit around you know, or you can go out the door and get after it, you know? So that's just thing to sunrises the next day. That's the for sure. Fun. Yeah. That's and I guess period. that is a good point that, yeah. you know, as a runner, that that's, the, I think that's the thing, even just as a recreational runner, I think that as you get older, running becomes very appealing because of the simplicity of it. Yeah. You don't have to go anywhere. You, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to drive anywhere. You can walk out your front door and go. And I think that that is something that is very appealing to, to running, you know, like, cause if you're, if you're involved in, and I'm not knocking any of these activities, some of these, um, you know, recreational activities to fitness activities, such as like CrossFit, you know, let's take CrossFit, for example, during this time, your CrossFit gym's closed. Mm-hmm. And are you going to drop two grand to get all that equipment into your house? 
probably yeah. not, you know, like that's where running is, is such an awesome pastime for people who, you know, adults uh, who are looking for an opportunity to get fit, you know, and not even running, walking, man, yeah. walking, going out and walking is incredible. And I think that that is, could be encouraging to people who are like, oh, I don't know what to do during coronavirus. Like, I, I don't, I can't do anything, you know, you can walk, you don't, you know, yeah. it, there's so many people out doing that now. And I think it's really, really an awesome thing. And I hope it keeps up whenever this is, is all over. But like, as far as a pole vaulter goes, it's difficult. And your, your runners, your cross guys that you're coaching right now, cross country guys that you're coaching right now, it's, it, it's easy to get out and run, you know, but as far as like what we, what I deal with at, at uh, rise is it's difficult because you don't get to go and do the act of pole vaulting, you know, during this time, you don't get to go and do that. And that is, is difficult to deal with, but I mean, that's, that's a whole different other thing but anyway um i wanted to talk about a steps challenge that you did <laughs> <laughs> i think this show i think this is the greatest um example of how you take things to the nth degree to where you, oh, <laughs> you take things beyond what it's supposed to be, <laughs> okay? <laughs> Is you that, see his face. Look at his face. He's got that hard face. He's like, he, no, I don't mess around. It, it comes back to he hates losing okay i was so gonna say that is, he doesn't like to lose so that's that he, he will go he to might extent. he might be willing to die <laughs> he might be willing to die to win a steps challenge okay so he had a steps challenge at paint the picture for for the steps challenge and then i have a quote that you said to me on a run that i am going to hit you with at the end go ahead all right, so it's like a couple years ago, the District 202 started this wonderful steps challenge where they had people from all over, and you sign up and from the entire district. So you're talking a lot of schools. Uh, this is the school district did this? Yeah. Sponsored it? Yeah, yeah. School. <laughs> so we all get online. We all have like this, this leaderboard, okay? So it start, it's six weeks long. So I'm thinking, okay, you know, yeah, sure, we'll do it. And um, Plainfield South had a team of faculty, you know. So I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll contribute to it. Anyway, so it's six weeks long and it starts right before spring break. So at the beginning, didn't even like, I said, okay, I'll, I'll pay attention. I'll put my watch on, counts my steps, and it automatically sinks in at the end of the day, which is kind of cool because it was a Garmin and has that technology. So, um. I start out doing and not even paying attention to the leaderboard. And I'm serious. I didn't even pay attention because it was spring break and, and I was just doing like 10,000. Oh, wow. I hit 20,000 steps. You know, that's, that's gotta be doing great. So we get back to school and I realize I'm not even in the top 20. I'm like, what the heck is going on? You know? So I look on there and there's people doing like big time steps per day. So I'm like, all right, well, we're, we're going to get serious here. So I start moving my way up the leaderboard Anyway, and I got to the point where I just started doing um, a minimum. I, had to, I set myself to do a minimum of 40,000 steps per day, which I don't know how many miles that is. I don't know if that's, I don't know, 
was that like 18, 19, 20 miles a day? I, I, I don't know. Yeah, uh, roughly. Yeah, yeah, roughly, give or take, right, depending on the person. So anyway, so the point is I start moving my way up the leaderboard, and I'm like, okay, well, some people that were starting out doing like 50,000 and 40,000 are starting to drop down because you know, it takes a toll on your body after a while. So I just kept going, and no matter what, I made sure I got in a minimum of 40,000 steps, you know, and that's for the last five weeks of this thing every day, you know? So once again, my wonderful wife and family are patient with me with my uh, hobby that I have and they, they allowed me to go out and I would just go out at night um, after the day. And I kept walking around my neighborhood. My neighbors probably thought I was crazy, but I would go out sometimes two, three hours at night, just keep getting steps. And I realized here's the thing that was kind of, interesting was that I got less steps when I ran covering more distance. So I had to walk and I figured out a pace where I was going to steady walk, but where I got the most bang for my buck, where I was getting the most steps for the amount of time I was out. And it had to do with walking. It was more beneficial. So I was walking there and then even like, you know, some nights I stayed in and I'm not kidding you. One night I stayed in, it's not an exaggeration. I walked around my house for the evening and I probably walked about seven miles just inside my house, Oh my gosh! you know, up and down the stairs through each room. And then I just kept going and going and going and going. So that's the thing is that my steps were always forward progress. You know, I didn't have a treadmill at the time. I'm lucky I have one now, um, but I didn't have a treadmill at the time. So I just kept walking, you know, and then getting in my steps. So ended and, up, then, I mean, and then you ended up, how many did you get? In the six weeks, I think uh, 1.7 million, I think it was total, <laughs> something ridiculous like that. I made sure, because I was really paranoid, I really made sure that I won by 100,000 steps because I was waiting for it. And I, and I, it ended at midnight on a Sunday night. And I got a membership at one of those 24 hour gyms. Mm-hmm. I remember, because I'm like, okay, if I get tired of walking around, I could go, you know, to the treadmill at this, this 24 hour gym, anytime fitness. And like, I could walk there. So I was that Sunday night. I was about 11 o'clock. I'm there at anytime fitness, just walking on the treadmill, you know, and, and getting in some steps there. Then I came home and I was walking more and I was watching the leaderboard, making sure nobody was coming close. Cause I wanted to make sure that somebody wasn't going to bust out like a hundred thousand steps. I made sure I did 70,000 steps in that last day. And then Gosh, I leading the, the weekend up to it, I was, I was, that's why I said, I go, this may turn into like a 24 to 48 hour where we're just going, walking nonstop to make sure. I, that we, that's where I remember I yeah. was on, I was helping you with it. Me and a couple of our buddies, uh, we were out, um, walking, just hiking around, running, hiking around. And, um, there was a lady that was just, she yeah. just kept bursting your bubble, man. Every morning you'd wake up and then she was just yeah. ahead of you, ahead of you, ahead of you. And you were starting to get frustrated about it. And, and, and I could see it in your eyes whenever we were running. And I said, well, what are you going to do? And, and he, you just simply, you didn't even look at me. You just kept looking forward and you, sh- you said, she better be willing to go for 48 hours straight. At the end of the <laughs> on the district 202 steps yeah. it's like yeah. it's probably like a like a, a teacher's aide or like a math teacher or something like that. he was relentless <laughs> she better be willing to go for 48 hours straight goodness and that's what we were talking about i'm like i was going to open up the track at south 
and spend the whole weekend there and just camp out. They were talking about that was that's what was necessary. That's what we were gonna. This do. this lady's pretty next level, man. I, oh, I yeah, I'm wondering who it is. That's yeah. I mean, that's a lot of steps. That's she was getting after steps. it, man. She was yeah. definitely getting after it. So, what do you like? How do you manage all of this? Like, to the to the average person, actually, something I kind of wanted to bring up was somebody that we all three look up to is David Goggins. Okay. Yeah. We, we like listening to David Goggins and all these things. And, and I, by no means am trying to put down David Goggins at all. Okay. Cause he, he seems like a guy that you really <laughs> don't want to make mad. I wouldn't want to wrestle him or fight him or anything like that, but this is all I got to say. Okay. You are a legend to me and my friends basically and i don't think it's because you just do these extraordinary things pushing your body and you're a mental savage and all these things there's a lot of mental savages out there and david goggins is one of them okay but you have a full-time job you're a cross-country coach you're a track coach you have a wife and two kids. You have a house to take care of. You're doing all this stuff with all those things. You are the common man that is doing these things. And you are like a, a, a beacon of hope for somebody who looks up to somebody like David Goggins and is like, man, I, you know, how does he is? He's so tough. He's so tough. Yeah, he is so tough. But in my mind, you're tougher. You're doing the things, you're doing the things that a common everyday man is doing. And then you're going on over the top and you're doing these things. And I don't think it's, you know, it's not like who's tougher than who and blah, blah, blah. But what I'm saying is, is you're showing that you want to finish an Ironman, do it. You know, you got a job. So do I, you got family. So do I, you got a, you got responsibilities around the house. So do I. How do you find the time in the day and what do you say to the person that's like, well, yeah, I like the things that David Goggins says, but I'll never be able to do anything like that. I'll be I'll never be able to push myself to that level. I don't have enough time to train for a marathon. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time to train for a marathon. How could I train for a hundred mile race? You know, there's, that's what the question I get all the time is how are you going to train for that? You don't have any time. So what do you say to those people? Well, first off, um, well, first off, you got to make sure, like in my situation, that you you have a supportive family, you know, and, and that's where I'm extremely, extremely lucky that my wife, Jane, um, jumps on board with this stuff. And, and you know, she, she has done an Ironman herself. Um, she's ran herself. Uh, her big thing growing up was soccer, you know, so she has that competitiveness um, that is just amazing. Uh, but she understands. That's the key thing. Uh, my two kids they really don't have a choice. <laughs> just <laughs> you know, they don't know any different. And that's the key thing is they don't, they don't know any different. Um, right. Right. It's just the way we, we live, you know, just like my, 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 and this sounds a little goofy, but my third, my third, my son is in third grade. My daughter's in first grade. They went out and did a two mile run with us the other day, you know, and they did a right. four mile hike and, you know, and they do that nonstop because they don't understand that, they do. I mean, they do it. Just realize that when we go out for a run, we run, they don't walk. 
you know. So that's just that's just what they have programmed in their head, and we make it fun. Um, but beyond that, you need you need to have that that culture around you. You need to have that support unit, and I do. My wife is is awesome. Um, find the time in the day. You have to make time. You have to schedule it in. You know. Um, and if that means like like we've talked before, and we've even done before, if that means getting up at four a.m. and getting out and getting after it, that's fine. If that means you got to go do your run at nine o'clock at night, you go do it. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but my my schedule is not as as crazy as some would think. You know, because all those other things happen in life, and then I get my running. And luckily, you know, with my profession too, I I coach cross country. You know, I work with the distance runners, and then at the same time in track. Even on the head coach, I work with the distance runners. So I get a lot of my, I'm very lucky in that sense. I get to run with those guys. And those guys motivate me, you know, just, just like you do, you know. And uh, so it's, it's about who you surround yourself with. You know, I surround myself with that culture of humans that, that do what I do, you know, and have a positive mental attitude that goes into it. Because that's, that's the foundation of it all. Right, right. Yeah, I remember distinctly uh... – whenever I was training for my first ultra, you just being like, all right, yeah, let's uh, meet at Waterfall Glen in the morning. And I was like, okay, yeah, what time? And you were like, 3.30? 3.30, okay? <laughs> and I, I was like, no, I said in the morning. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean 3.30 a.m. in the morning. I was like, gosh, dang it, man. So that means I got to wake up at three to drive the half an hour over to Waterfall Glen. I was like, whew, this is a different, you know, type of, of human being that I'm dealing with here. But, you know, people do it and people, you know, you, you have to, you have to find, you have to, um, I always tell my athletes, you have, there is time that you can mine out of every single day you can mine time out of every day and you you can find it there's little pieces here and there and here and there and if you string them all together um then it creates a a substantial amount of time and that's one thing that drives me up the wall is whenever people come at me with i don't have enough time Mm. that drives me nuts you know and that might be why I'm stressed out a lot because, because I don't give myself that, that option that, you know, that, that scapegoat of, uh, I don't have any time. I don't have any time. If I really want to do something, I can mine a little bit of time out of this part of my day. And then I can combine it with a little bit of time out of this part of my day. And then all of a sudden, you know, I've got a half an hour or I've got an hour, you know, and, and, that's, I guess it, I guess it just goes into, you know, just like what kind of attitude and, and at the end of the day, how bad you want it. Because if you just kind of want something, if you just kind of want it a little bit, you're not going to be willing to get up at three thirty. you know, if you just kind of want it. So you got, I think you got to find those things that you're willing to, you know, you have to have some sort of motivation for it as well. So. Josh, you, you, you know, you got to put it, you put in pretty long runs. Yeah. And so how, I mean, these runs are not like 15 minute runs. You know, I keep referencing this guy, Brad, who we, you know, hope to have on here, but he, he told me, he always just said miles, miles, just get miles, 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 miles. And I guess I, 
you know, I thought of it as vault reps, right? Relating it back to pole vault. Um, we always talk in reps. We talk, we need hundreds of more reps. And it's like the only way I have found that I'm getting significantly better at distance running, you know, knocking 15, 20 minutes, half hour off marathon times is by just getting an enormous amount of miles. And enormous for me is, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 mile weeks in week after week after week. And, um, next thing you know, you look and you're like, Hey, my heart rate was only 150 on this run. And it's normally 170 or, you know, I ran that same route, you know, two months ago at nine minute pace. Now it's at seven minute pace and I didn't even exert any more energy. Um, I, I, one question I have for you, for you, coach Crow is like, I, I don't, understand the segue into training for this 100. And I don't know how much time we have. We're, we're getting close um, in terms of time limit, but I, I just wonder, I'm running six, seven, eight mile runs, you know, four or five, six times a week. I know you see it on Strava and it's, um, I'm trying to figure out if I should be doing two, three, four mile runs a couple days a week and then blowing it out with like, you know, these 20, 25, 30 mile runs on Saturdays or Sundays. What would you suggest for somebody who in five and a half, six months has a 100 miler that they are going to do everything in their power to finish? <laughs> um, first off, listen to your body. Yeah. Um, plan it out ahead of time with what you can do. But that's the key thing is that it's what you have time to do and what you can fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, also slow down. If you're going to do a hundred miler, you got to think about the pace you're going to be hitting that. Yeah. So you're going to have those days where you're going at a tempo pace, you're getting your heart rate up, but you almost have to practice running slow and being patient. Um, I think get in what you can get in during the week. Don't freak out if you don't get in a 10 miler, eight miler. It may be one day you only get in four or five miles. You're getting out. You're still getting to run it. The key yeah. thing is once you get to your long run on the weekends, okay, when you can fit in your long run, and that's where you may have to get up early in the morning, I would say more focused time on your feet, you know, and unless you intend on going out and running the entire hundred miles, you know, you got to incorporate some slow jogging. You got to incorporate some power hiking, as we like to call it. Um, and slowing it down and instead of focusing maybe, and this is just my opinion, this yeah. is not saying it's right. Um, instead of just focusing on hitting 30 miles, maybe you're just shooting for four hours or five hours on your feet moving forward mm-hmm. because that's how race day is going to eventually become. Yeah. So you want to make it practical to that. And then you start training your mind as well. And I think that's where really with the hundred miler, it truly is more mental than anything else. Yeah. you know, as far as that finish line. It's it, that's super helpful and correlates the same with what Jake has told me and Brad and any of the other people I've talked about it. It's this time on the feet. And it's funny because I, I have a, um, the Afton trail run that's still as of now happening. Um, but they did give a preliminary email that's like, Hey, you know, it's July 4th, like, come on guys, probably not going to happen. But right. as of now, we're still good. And I'm running a 25 K section of that. And I want to take top 25. Typically there's four or 500 people that sign up. So I, I have to be at a seven thirty um, pace with about three 3,500 feet of elevation gain. So that's why I've been, I'm in this weird hybrid mode where it's like, I want to have that in my back pocket. Um, if they say, Hey, let's just, let's just do this. 
um, I want to show up at the, at the start line and be able to run seven, seven thirty, eight minute paces uphill. Um, but what's, what's in the back of my mind is I keep saying, slow down, just who cares about your GPS watch, start a timer, you know, go out there and be out there for four or five, six hours. Um, yeah. walk, stop, you know, fill up your water bottle, do whatever you got to do. Um, yeah. that's what it seems like the theme I got to kind of jump into. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard to slow down to be honest with you, because, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's hard. And, and it, like I said, it's hard to mine five hours out of your day too, especially yeah, when tough. you got, you know, work and family and stuff like that. Well, before we wrap up, um, what, what's the future looking like? What, what goals do you have? I guess specific to, you know, what kind of, what, what races interest you? What, you know, like we've talked about a couple things, a couple races, um, but what, what interests you to the point to where you're like, Hey, I want to put this on my radar and I want to, you know, I want to go for this. What, what, what interests you? Um, well, as you know, I've been trying to get into the Western States 100. Uh, this yeah. year, I, I got on the wait list. Um, so I was 23rd on the wait list. Uh, races, obviously, in June, and it got canceled. So they forwarded everything over to next year. So I'm on the wait list for next year. But I've been trying to get into that for five years. That's where I've been doing the 100 milers consecutively. Their qualifying races, make sure I do one of their qualifying races. So that's on my radar. You know, obviously, uh, the goal is to, to get to that start line. Mm-hmm. And then obviously finish that race. Uh, so that's, that's always what I'm shooting for. Um, yeah. Other things out there, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I've been watching a couple of documentaries on 200 mile races. Oh um, gosh. I thought you were going to say <laughs> something different than <laughs> that, that 200 mile race. Gosh, dang, man. What is, I mean, yeah, that's legit. What was the what was the one though that you were gonna say? I think you were gonna say right after that two hundred mile race, and then was there one more? There's well, there's the Moab two forty, Tahoe two hundred. You know that whole series, the Bigfoot two hundred out there. I'm not saying I'm doing them. Don't 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 put me down for that yet. But no, I'm just saying, yeah. Green, you're asking me what's interest. Well, that's interest because that's like that next step. But I just wanna I just wanna get in the western states and and take take on one of those big races out west with the mountains. Yeah, that's that was. That was disappointing, man. That was because it was like you were you were pretty much you weren't a shoe in for sure, right. but there was a I don't know, maybe at least a 50-50 shot of you yeah. being able to run Western States this year and like you said you that's what you've been working for for the past 5 years. For people who don't know about Western States, can you explain why it's important that you have run these consecutive 100-milers? Yeah, um, you have to you have to run a qualifying race every year. So you literally have to finish one of their qualifying races, which is mostly a ninety percent of the time a hundred mile race. Um, it's one that they approve of. You finish it, you know, under the time limit that's allowed, and then uh, and then it gets, puts you back in the lottery. And then you get in the lottery in December, and you got thousands of names in there, and they only pick three hundred and sixty nine people to run the race. So obviously, there's other people that have. Uh, different ways to get in as far as winning races throughout the country and the world. Uh, but then there's, there's lottery. That's what I am. I'm in the lottery and I'm like about one of just a couple hundred people that are allowed to get in through the lottery, you know, so, but you got to do right. the qualifying here. So I got put on the wait list this year, uh, 23rd in the past years, 23rd has gotten in the race. So that's, I was pretty excited about that. 
Um, but now I just got to wait another year. So it's okay. You know, it's, yeah, it is what it is. Away. And then, and then this, yeah. this another year of the inner Indiana trail 100 that we signed up for, that'll give you more, uh, lottery balls in the lottery. Right? Yeah. In the future. Yeah. In the future. In the future. If, if, if I don't get in next year through the wait list, then that'll put me back in the lottery for another year. So yeah, every, every year you get more, uh, tickets, lottery tickets in the, in the literally a big bin where they spin it and they have a live, uh, lottery pick and drawing pretty yeah lottery That's drawing crazy. right yeah, yeah but yeah if you get a chance to look at their website because it's a, it's a very historical race out through the sahara nevada mountains you know there's like eighteen thousand feet of elevation uh going up and then like twenty two thousand feet going down so it's it's pretty cool race goodness they consider that kind of the super bowl of ultra yeah. marathon yeah. running right yeah yeah and so then, i just wanted to Last one before we go, we, you and I have talked about, um, what's the race, um, out in death Valley. Oh yeah. Bad water. One thirty five. Bad water. Yeah. That was the one that you had kind of seriously started to consider looking into as well. Like yeah. Yeah, there's a kind of crazy qualifying process though for that, isn't there? You apply. You literally apply like you're filling out an application, and then they only take 100 runners from around the world. And uh, last year I applied, and uh, I got turned down. But basically, um, actually, the race director was his name is Chris. I think it's Kleiman. It might be his last name, but um, just uh, was kind enough to respond Costner. to my email. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's because uh, I read uh, read. Actually, I'm using it as a. Uh, I shouldn't have my microphone sitting on. It can't hurt me. Um, David Goggins. Yeah. Book. Yes. Um, I just remember hearing Goggins' voice a million times over. Costner, Costner didn't let me in That's the race. Right. Made me feel the pain after I didn't get in or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go for it. No, it's, it's, it's cool. No, thank you for, for correcting me. I hate when I mispronounce somebody's name. Uh, but the race director was kind enough to email me back right away because I said, wow. what do I need to do? And he's like, well, you need to do more challenging races. Western States would be one of those. Um, you need to come out here and experience Death Valley. So I highly recommend uh, you coming out here and volunteering at the race and helping out with somebody's crew or just helping out at an aid station and experiencing what the environment's like. Cause I, I can't comprehend that. I've driven through Death Valley one time and that was it. Um, and then uh, he also said that, you know, we have other races around North America. Um, if you, enter one of our other races and get in and finish that. He goes, that's another way that will improve your chances of getting in the race. So basically you just need to have an awesome resume. Uh, so it's about stepping up the resume and then hopefully getting in that race someday. You know, that would be really, really cool. It's pretty reasonable um, for him to respond like that. I know through David Goggins book, um, he kind of had same response. He's like, Hey, you finished, you know, uh, a 24 hour race. Um, or you, you finished 101 miles in a 24 hour race, but the whole point of a 24 hour race is to run the whole 24 hours. And you didn't, you ran 17 hours, but if you would have kept running, maybe that would have added to your resume. So at this point he didn't have the credentials to be able to get into that race. And I think he ended up going out and running a Boston qualifier or something that bumped him you know, enough yeah. to get into the race. So for sure. All right, coach, is there anything else that you, uh, want to let the people know? No, but I, I just, <laughs> I, <wanna, laughs> 
<laughs> no, but I just want to thank you guys for, for having me on. I mean, it's truly an honor because you guys talk about me, but I honestly, it's just the other way around. Like Josh, like I said, I, I follow your career and what you're doing now. And it's just amazing. And you know, I, I wish you nothing but the best. No, no problem, buddy. Um, and, and same thing with Jake, you know, I just, I, I don't even, I don't have enough time to talk about all the the great things that he's done. So like I said, just to be here with you guys and having you guys talk to me is truly humbling and an honor. And then the last thing is I just, I really cannot wait until October when the three of us get the total line together, mm-hmm. you know, and, and tackle on the, the Indiana trail 100, which, which Josh, it's going to be your first time out there, right? Oh Indiana yeah. Trail? Okay. It just here's the best thing about ultras. Um, and you'll experience it that day is the people that you're surrounded with, you know, and you talk about surrounding yourself with the right people and good people and people with the same attitude, the positive mental attitude, the volunteers, the race director, so many people out there just give, you know, and that's what I love about doing ultras is that you're around people that just give back and give, you know, to help other people out and accomplish their goals. And you're really going to experience something special that day being around that, you know, and you get that in other sports, like you see the pole vaulting, such a tight, tight, tight group that, that, you know, fantastic, you know, so this is going to be just, you know, another aspect of that in a different way. And that's what you're really going to get to enjoy. And I'm looking forward to experiencing that with you guys. It's really going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to be cool to see you guys accomplish your goals that day. So I I can't wait to see that. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. We're pumped about it. And, um, Yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, Thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Once again, it's an honor. You are uh, just an incredible inspiration to us. And and I know for sure that there are going to be people out there that are going to be highly inspired by your stories today and by the things that you talk about and just the way that you are. And and for anybody who's curious, uh, this is no act. This is, this is him every day. You, he is, he is what he says he is, or what he's presented today on this podcast. He is that person every single day. And, um, it's just an incredible, uh, person. Uh, we're lucky to have you, uh, in our lives and, and thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it. This is the one more thank jump you. podcast and we, uh, signing off. <laughs>